score bars, bottle caps, payday bars, and my voice. Sometimes you just can't get enough of the best things in life. Now you can enhance your multiplayer gaming podcast experience and get more of what you love, like two bonus episodes every week. Want early access? Want to stop hearing my ultra-cheesy intros and ad reads? Well, now you can by subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts. Want amazing perks and to be the coolest person around in the Discord server? You can still support us over at MultiplayerSquad.com and earn our eternal gratitude. No, really. Our gratitude is forever. We'll love you forever. What do you mean I sound creepy? What? You're starting the episode right now. I was about to tell them about... Hello, squadmates. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Multiplayer Gaming Podcast. We are two dads who love to talk about gaming. And if you like what we do here, please make sure to rate our show five stars, leave a review, and please consider supporting the show through Apple subscriptions or through Patreon by going to MultiplayerSquad.com. I am your host, Paul. And joining me, as always, I, I think right now he's sorting through all of these games coming up for release, drowning in available gaming content from Gamescom this week. And I think, like me, he just doesn't know how he's supposed to fit in all of these games into his schedule. It's Josh. It is a good problem to have, Paul. But <laughs> there, there, like, I don't think the like people realize, like, listening that there are times where it's a little stressful, man. Yeah, <laughs> like you and I have like occasionally gone like, dude, like we have this game that we're in the middle of playing. We have this game that's coming up that we told people we're going to review. We have this new release that we really want to be able to dive into. Oh, and by the way, I still love playing Overwatch and Rocket League in my spare time. Oh, but this big release is coming up, so we should probably look into that one a little bit so we can talk about it. like it's man, it's tough being a professional, Paul. <laughs> a lot of it's the time of year because. In those winter months in particular, in preparation for Christmas, you always have a whole bunch of huge, you know, game releases. And there is just so much to talk about this week. Like I mentioned, we had Gamescom where we got to see some new announcements. We have a lot of games coming out before the end of the year. And we do also have some games that did get pushed back that are coming out in early 2022. And so I think we just have so much stuff to cover in the next few months. It's definitely a little overwhelming, but at least I'd rather have that problem than the other where there's yes. you know, a huge drought and there's nothing to play. That's very true. And there are some mega games coming up that I'm very pumped about. I mean, we might just be the Battlefield 2042 podcast for like a month, you know, and then the Halo Infinite podcast for like a month. It's, it, it, I mean, it's possible, but we'll see. <laughs> All right. So for this episode here, we are uh, releasing this on a Thursday, which means it's this week in gaming. These are our twig episodes. We normally talk a little bit about what we've been playing in our spare time and then talk about gaming news. This week, there's just been so much content. I think we'll just go straight into news. And I think we're just going to kind of pare it down to four upcoming games. And I think that'll probably take up the half hour here. But there has just been so much to come out of this week. And so I thought we'll just go through these four games in order of release. So the first one that I wanted to talk about here is a game that is definitely right up my alley. It's a game called Martha is Dead, which Poor by Martha. the way is a great title. <laughs> I'm already I'm already sucked in. I already want to know who's Martha, what happened, you know. Well, why she why is she dead? <laughs> why is she dead exactly? And this one is set for release later this year. It is funny to me that we don't have an exact date because there's only 
three months left of, of right. 2021, but it is supposed to come out before the end of the year. This is a psychological horror game, which I know is right up our I alley. I love those kind of horror games. Yep. And this one takes place back in 1944 Italy during World War II. But do you want to tell the people a little bit about this one? Number one, I mean, there's horror games like Out Outlast, Outcast. Which one is it? I can't remember. But it's Outlast, right? Yeah, Outlast. Yeah. So there's like horror games like that where they're just very gory and kind of scary. There's your Phasmophobia, which is the supernatural stuff. Um, but every now and then you get these psychological horror games, which are my absolute favorite. Anytime you're messing with somebody's head, that's really the way to go, in my opinion. Um, and so when this one came up, I was very intrigued right away. Uh, the, the, the only thing that's very strange is the gameplay demo that went along with like the write-up told me absolutely nothing. It was a lady yeah. that was developing film in a dark room, and that was it. And the, like this article's going on to tell you how scary this is. It's in you know, 1944 Italy, World War II, and it's this girl trying to make sense of stuff. But the whole time I'm watching this video, and I'm like, what does this photography have to do with any of this? Like it, was, it was very confusing. Uh, but you had found some more gameplay that you had linked to me. Yeah, which actually showed some of the walking around and the atmosphere of the game and stuff like that. And it's, it, I mean, it's definitely creepy looking. It was a very small snippet, so it's kind of hard to glean a lot of info from that. Yeah, so we we've only seen so much, but basically, long story short, is that you play a younger girl named Julia who discovers the dead body of her twin sister Martha. So you can already tell this game is going to be very dark content-wise. I mean, it's a horror game anyway. You would kind of expect it. So it definitely has some heavy subject matter. And basically, the game will dive into how that loss is affecting Julia, because she's the one who discovers the body, so it's very traumatic. But then also, at the same time, you're going to uncover the mysteries of what happened to her, what's going on with this family. You know, we know that there's going to be some weird family dynamics from the write-ups that we've seen. I I do have one quote here that I thought was really interesting. So this is from Liana Rupert, who wrote an article for Game Informer. But tell me what you think about this. In this tale, the lines between war, reality, and the supernatural are blurred beyond recognition, and the human mind is explored in a beautifully terrifying way. While the pacing is meant to be drawn out with a suspense that makes the situation feel real, there are moments rooted in decision-making where quick thinking is needed, with instances designed to make you feel like you don't know which way is up and which way is hell. The design elements attached to this particular storytelling style left me feeling on the edge of my seat in a way that pushed me to want to see what would happen next. It urged me to uncover the secrets of what happened to Martha and attempt to unravel the grief-stricken mind of her sister. Mm. that's some good storytelling right there that's some good writing right there man you know it's i I love these kind of games because if they do the pacing right you get some gameplay and then you get some horror and then you kind of get freaked out but then it like calms down and it goes back to like exploration or the storytelling part of it and you get kind of enveloped in that and then there's these little moments of like the scariness and you, you know what i mean like sometimes horror is better served if it's not like very in your face Right. Which is why I really like the psychological horror games, because you get just these moments that kind of blow your mind or really creep you out, but it's not so much that it makes you numb to it. 
And that's pretty key, in my opinion. And so I'm looking forward to this one because I love a good story-based game that's kind of like a, you know, just kind of like laid back. I've mentioned, you know, Edith Finch and Firewatch and stuff like that, where you can kind of walk around at your own pace and discover things, but you get these moments that really stick with you. And if you can do that in a horror-type game, all the better. Yeah. I think this style of horror game is definitely right up my alley phasmophobia not so much the the supernatural stuff i can find interesting when it's just like ghosts writing in a book it's kind of hard for me to feel fully invested in that kind of it, it just seems a little silly to me on the surface so it's hard for me to get drawn in if it's a game like this where your character is not sure what's real and whether or not they actually saw something and you're questioning whether or not you're losing your mind and it's dark and twisted and you've got these twists and turns. This is very much more up my alley. I can't wait to get my hands on this one. This is exactly what I'm looking for from the genre. And this one does not look like an interactive movie. It it definitely has more gameplay. I know when you were watching some of the gameplay, I was in discord with you and even you got like kind of excited when like a ghost comes out and like grabs the main character and you know stuff like that (laughs) there's some freaky parts in it already which is good (laughs) photography plays a big part in this game i'm not sure how they're going to develop that but there's like a couple times where they showed you using a camera and you had to focus in on an object and have the right lighting and the framing and stuff like that so i'm not really sure about that part of it um maybe that's one of the ways that they use to tell the story and maybe you discover stuff through the photos that you take um, but yeah, I, I am very intrigued in this one. It's hard to find good horror games that aren't just like bloody gory and that kind of stuff. And, you know, I'm, I'm very curious to see where this thing ends up. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, let's jump into our second game here. I think this one is, you're probably a little bit more excited about it than me, but we have Elden Ring, which we have mentioned on the show. This one is set to come out on January 21st of 2022. And oh, game and so four away, man. I know, I know. It it sucks. We gotta wait five five months for this one, I guess. So Game Informer had an article and it was almost more like a podcast almost, where they said that they got their hands on 15 minutes of gameplay, but they could not show it. But they went back through the old trailers and talked about the experience of what they played, what they saw, what those things actually mean. And so we already know a little bit about this game. This is the one that's the collaboration with uh, Mitataka Miyazaki and George R.R. R. Martin. And this is like the Dark Souls, Bloodborne-style gameplay. But what stuck out from this preview that you found interesting? So Elden Ring looks huge. There was a big leak about it before the game was even officially announced. People have been tracking this for a while. This seems to be the spiritual successor to the Dark Souls series, um, there's even people that have tied in the, uh, some of the things in like Dark Souls 2 and 3 to this game. And so they feel like you've made it to like the next world. Um, uh, but the collaboration is kind of what's getting a lot of the attention there. But this is being kind of hailed as Dark Souls, but with an open world feel, which right. is very intriguing because that's one of the things about Dark Souls is it's always been very, like I don't want to say claustrophobic because it, it does take place in some open environments, but the paths that you have to take are all pretty set. You know, you you feel like you're you know you're moving from point A to point B to get through a certain level to the next area or something like that, from one bonfire to the next. 
And in this game, they're t- they're touting the open world aspect of it. And one of the things that they were talking about is in the gameplay uh, footage that they showed, you see these huge like ogre troll looking things that have like th- these chains hooked into their back, and they're they're hauling this big cart behind them, and they have guards around them and stuff like that. Well, in this preview, what they were saying is you can actually attack those caravans out in the open world. And they were saying you actually should because there's some really good gear inside the the carts. But you can't just go up and start wailing on these things because you'll get wrecked. So what they were saying is they will eventually stop and they'll kind of form like a camp or a perimeter. And then you can use like sleep darts and things like that to try to knock out some of the guards so that you can then fight the people that are left and loot this cart, which sounds incredible. I mean, you know, that sounds like a normal RPG type thing to do, but in the vein of Dark Souls and that type of combat and that type of environment, this is this is all new, yeah. you know? And so that's very, very interesting to somebody like me that loves the Dark Souls series. And then they were also mentioning that, hey, if you want that true Dark Souls flavor, don't worry. We have these, like, uh, not epic dungeons, but I forget what they call them, but they have these... Legacy dungeons. Legacy dungeons. There you go. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And they were saying that is, you know, these legacy dungeons are what you expect from Dark Souls. These have your fog doors and your big bosses, and you have to make your way through and fight the trash mobs and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I've been hungry for a good Dark Souls type game. I actually loaded up Dark Souls 3 like a month ago, started playing it, and then just went like, yeah, as much as I love this game, I don't have the time right now <laughs> to try to yeah. slog through this again and relearn all the combat and that kind of stuff. So I'm pretty pumped for Elden Ring. I know it's probably not up your alley, but this is one that I'm really looking forward to because I feel like it's taking the Dark Souls formula and it's enhancing it while not changing it so much that it doesn't feel like Dark Souls anymore. Yeah, it's interesting that we have this whole push for games that have historically not been open world to suddenly be open world. We've got that with Elden Ring. We're going to have that with Halo. I still don't really have any idea how an open world Halo is going to work, but I'm curious to find out. You and I have talked about how much we love open world mechanics. So the idea of attacking these, you know, caravans filled with treasure sounds really neat. Discovering the dungeons and running through those is pretty neat. One thing that they did also mention is that a major part of the combat is summoning creatures. So they had mentioned that you can summon like trolls, goblins, humanoids, and then they basically fight with you. And so he was kind of saying that when sometimes in Dark Souls or Bloodborne, it's easy to maybe end up, you know, running and getting aggro of like 10 mobs at once. And then you just kind of get overwhelmed here. You can actually summon a couple creatures to fight with you and kind of even those odds. So you can like focus on stealth mechanics. You can jump into the combat and summon creatures. I thought that was all really neat. I think the one thing that really surprised me is that if you do play with friends, because you can have up to two people join your game, nobody can mount. If you play co-op, yeah, that's a little strange. So everyone has to run on foot, which sounded really odd to me. I, I don't I don't know why, but maybe it'll make sense once we play it. It might be. I know that fast travel is in the game as well. And one of the the kind of nice things is because another fault with Dark Souls is you know, you have to run everywhere you want to go. 
you know, and that means clearing out the trash mobs again. And in Elden Ring, they're saying that if you are out in the open world, you can fast travel from anywhere at any time. Like you don't have to try to get to a bonfire or a checkpoint or something like that. So it sounds like they're keeping the hardcore combat and the boss fights and the stuff that people love, but they're also adding that open world element but at the same time, adding some convenience factors like fast travel, which is great, right? Like nobody likes arbitrary difficulty, like having to just that, like, that's my main complaint with new world, right? Yeah. Like, like honestly is like, why do you make me spend 15 minutes running to somewhere? Like, yes, I love your world. It's beautiful, but I don't want to spend 15 minutes on every quest doing that. Like that gets old really quick. So I get like the first time you go somewhere, like, Hey, we want you to run through the world and get there. But once I discover an area, Take that he- take the headache out of it. Let me just fast travel to where I want to go at that point. And and like that's good and it seems like they're following that kind of thought process. Yeah, I feel like so many games will just artificially drive up their playtime by making you run around. And I got to give credit to my game Mass Effect. Even Mass Effect 1 had like 15 fast travels just within the citadel so it's like even if i don't want to run from one side of this part of the map to the other i can still immediately teleport around so yeah that kind of quality of life stuff is so important for open world because nothing gets old quicker than needlessly running back and forth i'll say this too since you mentioned open world with like halo infinite coming up and elden ring and stuff like that please don't copy the ubisoft formula (laughs) <laughs> that, like I get that Ubisoft really pioneered this and they have mastered it, but you know Far Cry and some of these other games, Assassin's what's the Creed. Assassin's Creed? You know, with the whole like you got to climb the tower to unveil stuff. There's these forts that you have to take over, and then now they act like spawn locations and stuff like that. Like it's just it's been done enough, and it's been done so many times in the same way that it's getting old. So I really, really hope that like Halo Infinite... I, I feel like Elden Ring's just a different of enough game that it probably won't copy that formula, hopefully. But like, don't do not do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, It's been done in every Far Cry and every Assassin's Creed game. Just change it. Please don't copy Ubisoft in that regard. You know, make it make it something new, make it something fresh, and I'll be happy. Yeah, I feel like we're kind of due for some breakthroughs with open world mechanics, and we'll see who's able to maybe bring in that new genius idea, and that way we can play something a little bit new and, and fresh. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> All right, well, let's go ahead and take a short break to hear from one of our sponsors. All right, Paul, you know we love our listeners, so it's time to help them out. You see that guy listening? Yeah, that guy plays games using his earpods from his phone. I know, it's a travesty. Well, we're here to help out. Head over to MultiplayerPodcast.com slash Logitech and see what you've been missing out on. From mice to keyboards to headsets and everything in between, they've got something that's sure to improve your gaming experience. The best part is, they won't break the bank, and since they're extremely high quality, you know they're going to last. Do yourself a favor and improve your game over at MultiplayerPodcast.com slash Logitech. All right, Josh, we've talked about Martha is Dead and Elden Ring. The next game that we have up on the docket is a game that was announced at Gamescom. And Saints Row is getting a full reboot. And this one's just going to be called Saints Row. They're kind of going the God of War route. Let's make this super confusing by having, you know, just the baseline title. 
and this is going to come out in February 2022. Have you played any Saints Row games, Josh? I was going to say, Paul, I have a confession. I have never played Saints Row. Oh, okay. At all. You, and so you don't really know what you're missing. I don't know what I'm missing <laughs> at all. I've heard they're bananas. I've heard they're very over the top. Um, uh-huh. oh, I have yes. heard they're kind of mm-hmm. Grand Theft Auto-ish in like the open world city, kind of do whatever you want, whenever you want kind of thing with like yeah. obviously overarching missions and stuff like that. Um, so I didn't get real excited at first because I'm like, yeah, I've never played the series, whatever. But then I watched the the cinematic trailer that they had yeah, for yeah, this yeah. game. And it's banana, dude. I'm gonna say this right now. Saints Row is the Fast and Furious of video games. Oh, I, because that, that's that's fair. Sure, it's uh, this was nothing but just over the top characters. Some some guy on a motorcycle wearing like a dead Mao helmet, you uh-huh. know, and, and then like <laughs> just being snarky, and of course getting away with some situation that would never happen. All of his friends are in some convertible car that they steal right out from under the people. There's this crazy chase explosion scene that happens. They're driving on rooftops and and spinning around and all this. And I'm just thinking, this is Fast and the Furious. This is the over-the-top, absolutely insane action sequences that are so far from realistic that it's ridiculous. And yet you can't help but just enjoy them at the same time. Okay, it's so funny to hear you talk about how unrealistic this gameplay seems. Because do you know why they had to reboot Saints Row. Do you know I, what happens in the storyline? I I read the article, Paul, and I have not played any of these, but when the article starts off with spoiler alert, uh you actually you know, you actually wind up being the ruler of the galaxy. Yes. <laughs> in in one of these games, they're like, where can you go but down? <laughs> okay. Let let me let me give you a couple highlights from Saints Row 4. Ready? You get elected president of the United States. Now, keep in mind, you are a gang leader who engages in, like, chop shops and smuggling drugs, and and you get elected president. The Earth gets invaded by aliens. The aliens put you into a simulation software to try to break your will, but instead, almost like Neo from The Matrix, you develop all these superhero powers. So in Saints Row 4, you literally have superhero powers, And then you end up taking over the alien empire. And then depending on how many side missions you've done, either you figure out time travel technology to put the earth back in the way it was, or you just, or you just sail off to go conquer a new planet. Like this, you, you had to reboot it because you literally cannot get, you can't go anywhere from there. That's as high as it gets. I I've never played these games, but I love them already. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I need to I need to check these out. I think Saints Row Three is free right now on Epic Game Store, right? Now, yeah, can you play them is. if you know nothing about the series whatsoever? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah, you, so they you don't can like just tie hop right into in. each other. Okay, because no, you're this not sounds like my kind of bananas. Like well, honestly, <laughs> a game where there's alien invasions, I get to rule the galaxy. You know, it's just the people that come up with this stuff. You just have to laugh. Oh, yeah. Like, the Grand Theft Auto games are already parodies of pop culture and stuff like that. And then Saints Row just says, well, we're just going to do a parody of a parody. And it's literally going to be in outer space and aliens and time travel and simulations. It, it, I love it. I think it's very funny. It's not as prestigious as Grand Theft Auto, obviously. But you just have to know that going in. They're very goofy, but they're highly memorable. I also remember... I don't remember which Saints Row it was, but I remember it was the first time 
that character creation just let me go full bonkers mode where I had this seven foot six woman who wore clown makeup and weighed 600 pounds. And like, you get that in all the cut scenes and in all the interactions. And I just remember laughing, thinking it was the funniest thing in the world because you just look so out of place <laughs> in these games when you're, you know, dressed and outfitted like that. But yeah, I'm, I'm very excited that they're rebooting Saints Row. It does seem like they have really reined it in. It's going to be just confined to this area, which is inspired by the American Southwest. It's our backyard. Hey, we Josh, know that area. It looks an awful lot like New Mexico, Arizona, where we live. Yeah, so we got Saints Row coming up here <laughs> next February. I just I love that they're saying, "Hey, this we're reining this back because we have yeah. to kind of start back there." And yet at the same time, them reining it back, our cars jumping off of roofs, spinning around, you know, stealing stealing a car full of weapons right out from the noses of the gangsters. I mean, if this is reined in, that sounds yeah. crazy to me because <laughs> this is as far from reined in as I think I've seen in a game trailer. Yeah, and it's funny how quickly they got there. Like, it was only four Saints Row games to hit that. You know, Fast and Furious, they've kind of gradually become superheroes. They literally do go into space in Fast and Furious 9. I don't know where they go from here. I, I mean, it, it, that's like the joke with improv comedy. Once you go to space... There's nothing higher. <laughs> There's right. nowhere else to go. But yeah, uh, Saints Row, I love. It's definitely right up my alley just in how how funny it is. They definitely just poke fun at all things GTA. And they it also is chock full of celebrity cameos, all kinds of stuff like that, which is great. And then uh, our final game here, we're going to talk a little bit about Lego Skywalker Saga. This one does not have a release date, but they are saying probably spring 2022. What do you think about this one? Paul, I have another confession. I don't like any of the Lego games. I, I, I I'm not crazy I have for them seen, either. I have seen gameplay. I feel like I have like been at a friend's house and taken the controller and like played for like 10 minutes. And then I just go like, yeah, the game mechanics are very simple. Uh, I don't get the whole Lego aspect. I, I didn't play with Legos as a kid. So like the whole Lego thing is lost on me. Mm. Um, and so I don't like Lego games. And I know that they take all of these huge pop culture things like Batman and Star Wars and, and Indiana Avengers, Jones and Jurassic right, Park, Avengers, and they, they do all that, which I love all that stuff. So you think that it would tie in that I would enjoy these games, but I just don't. I've never gotten into any of them. So when I saw this Lego, the Skywalker saga, I was like, oh, another Lego game. Okay, whatever. But then I started watching the footage on this. And this game looks legit. Like, color me interested in a Lego game for the first time ever. Because it takes from episode one, like, all the way to Rise of Skywalker. Like, and all of them are tied in. All of the characters are there. That classic Lego humor is there, which I do get a kick out of. I mean, that does make me chuckle. But, you know, there's space combat scenes in this. There's lightsaber duels. There's just little story parts where you're looking around and exploring and stuff. And so I'm a huge Star Wars fan. And I don't know if the gameplay is going to hold up, but the trailer looks mighty, mighty good on this. So w w what about you? And I know that you like Star Trek better than Star Wars and everything is forgivable, Paul. So don't <laughs> hold feel on, bad hold for on. that. Okay. I, I, the full quote <laughs> That I've always said is, if you want a popcorn action movie, Star Wars is better. 
If you're looking for a human dramatic story, Star Trek is is, is where you want to be. But anyway, I love them both. Now, the Star the uh Lego games, I have played a lot. Way more than I would care to, mostly because of my time when I was working at a boys' group home several years ago. You know, we could play video games, but they had to be like rated E. And so a lot of times they would come down to be Lego games. And we would play a lot of the original, like Batman and Star Wars Lego games. And they're not terribly difficult, right? I mean, you basically, you have unlimited lives. You just run through it. It's incredibly casual. I think it's fun to go through it with your kids. It's very charming. They add their own little jokes into these, you know, pop culture references. This, I looked at the trailer and I was like, I've already played episodes one through six. I'm assuming they have Lego episode seven through nine i haven't played that but to me it just kind of felt like well i've already been there done that so i'm not really interested in picking it up uh if my kids wanted to and asked me to i'd i'd pop in and play with them here and again it's fun co-op stuff but i i I don't know it didn't seem to really offer anything new compared to what's already out see i haven't played the other one so i don't have that comparison i do know that if a game is too easy it's an instant turnoff for me Mm-hmm. I, I like I need some challenge. If there's no challenge whatsoever, it doesn't matter how yeah, great the game is. I I will lose interest very very quickly. And so with the Lego games, I don't know like are they making them intentionally easy to appeal to the broadest market possible? Yes. Because if they are, even <laughs> if it's exactly Star Wars it and even if it looks amazing, I will have zero interest in something like that, which it makes me a little sad cuz the game, like the graphics look great, the game looks great. They do a very, very good job in the trailer of make, like sucking you into that Star Wars universe. And maybe that's what I was feeling. But if it's just super easy, collect these little Lego pieces, you know, like I don't get into the collection stuff anymore. Like, yeah. you remember like the old like ukulele and banjo kazooie and stuff where you had to run around the level and find like the 10 gold coins? Yes. Like, that just or- doesn't do it for me anymore. Yeah. I'm, I'm 100% with you. I think it was GTA 4. They had where you had to find like 50 coins in the open world city, and it was like impossible to try yeah, to do. I just don't yeah. like Spyro the Dragon, Sonic, like some of these old games where the whole point of the game was just run around the level and collect stuff. I, I have zero interest in that stuff anymore. It used to be great, like honestly, but that's not what interests me anymore. And I feel like the Lego games might be that. But again, I just don't have enough knowledge to do it. But they've never drawn me in before. I did think this trailer looked amazing. So maybe? Maybe it'll be the first. Well, you get nine for one. So it's literally the whole saga. And the best part of the Lego games, honestly, I've just always found it hysterical when you shoot someone with like a laser or whatever they call the pistols. Blasters. Blaster, thank you. Like you shoot them with a blaster and they just explode into Lego pieces and then they just like fall into a, a little pile on the floor. There is something really funny and charming about that. That That is very satisfying. <laughs> All right. Well, Josh, that's about all that we have time for here today. So thank you so much for joining us for this week in gaming. We will be back with a bonus round episode on Monday. And if you wanted to know, our next deep dive episode is going to be on 12 minutes. So if you haven't checked out that game and you want to know what we're talking about, you still have a little bit of time to get some playtime in there. And I think that's it. Any other announcements, Josh? Anything else that people need to know? 12 minutes is going to be an interesting conversation because that's an interesting game. Interesting you game. 
pretty short game. I, I'll be curious to see how long that episode is. It's 12 minutes, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, once again, we'd like to ask that you rate our podcast five stars. Please leave a review if you haven't done so. And if you do pledge some support on Patreon, which you can do at MultiplayerSquad.com, you'll get a shout out on the show. And whether you pledge on Patreon or through Apple subscriptions, you do get two bonus quick take episodes every week. So we would be very grateful if you wanted to help support the show. You can do it one of those two ways. Also, if you want to come hang out with the multiplayer game cop, multiplayer gaming podcast community, you can do that on Discord. Check out the link in the episode description and that's totally free. And we would love to come see you on Discord also. All right, everyone. Happy gaming. Have fun. Another week in gaming. There's so many games out there. I hope that you guys have all kind of found your own niche of what you want to play right now. And we'll see you guys again on Monday. As long as everybody plays Battlefield 2042 with us, I really want like (laughs) half of a server of just multiplayer podcast people. You want a full 64 v 64 battle of all all squad mates? I call dibs on the the commander. I want to boss everybody around. I'll just be the medic. I'll just (laughs) resurrect everyone. All right. We'll see you guys on Monday. All right. See you, everybody. Uh, I'll cut this part out of the episode. Did you switch mics or something? Because all of a sudden I can't hear you. Really? No. Oh. I muted my headset mic. I'm not on my mic in Discord. Hang on. <laughs> That's okay. why. Because I, I just out of habit, I occasionally mute it. I'm glad I did. I mean, it's it's not going to really oh, affect the recording at all. But yeah, there yeah. you go. You got the right one in Cakewalk. All right. So. I, 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 I could barely hear you say <laughs> something. What were you saying? Or does it matter? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Okay. All right. <laughs> Jumping back in. All right. <laughs>